Vegas wins a left circle drop. Petrangelo scores! He snuck it inside the right post. Wow! Threading the needle, Petrangelo. Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. It's a three-on-one. Marcheseau with Carlson and Theodore. Marcheseau to the middle. Theodore scores! Vegas in overtime! Shea Theodore wins it for Vegas. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here's your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas, Golden Knights Insider Show. It's weird, I get it, it's a Sunday, but we are out here at FanFest Main Street Stage on the Fremont Street Experience. It's Ryan Wallace and Lindsey Brown coming at you from the red carpet. Like I've been on... This is now the second red carpet of the season for me. Well, technically, it was a gold carpet, now a red carpet. I'm loving our location. I'm loving the atmosphere. And, of course, everyone is out here right now for the Golden Knights Fan Fest. 2023, mid-season. It's a little different than what it's been in the past. But you have an opportunity to see these players in a really relaxed, different type of atmosphere. And, frankly, it's fun for everybody involved. So if you're hearing me right now... Get down here because you're not going to want to miss it. Players are going to be walking the red carpet, signing autographs, taking pictures, all that stuff. It's informal. It's fun. And you can be a part of it by just getting down here. But, Lindsay, you're just talking off air. This is your first fan fest. First one ever. And I got to say, Misfit Nation is out here in spades. (laughs) Everybody is just vibing to the DJ music that we have directly behind us. And you can tell that there's some genuine excitement to connect with these players, connect with this team, because we know just how special of a relationship it is with this community. And so to foster that further with events like this, especially mid-season, I think it's a little bit different of a vibe, but a good vibe at that. Yeah, it'll be interesting because and and we're hoping over the course of the next 90 minutes that we're with you we're, we're hoping that we're going to get some players to stop by put on the headsets we're going to ask them you know a little bit about fan fest about just their everyday life playing hockey yeah, in las vegas as a golden night because it's unique right it's unique to the nhl to be in a market like this in an atmosphere like this where you've got entertainment all over the place but then there's the other aspect of las vegas that a lot of people don't see and i think the golden knights from their inception has kind of put forth on a pedestal. This is a really intriguing and thriving community that's beyond just what you find on the strip or downtown. Absolutely, I'm still uh, semi-new here. I moved here just over three years ago. And whenever I talk to people when I go back home, they're always like, do you go on the strip a lot? Do you go out and party? I'm just like, no, this is actually a a lot more of a community-based place than we give it credit for. This isn't just a place to visit. This is a place to exist. This is a place to live. And this is a place to thrive. And you can see how much success that the businesses have had here, the individuals that have bought into that. And I think they just vibe off of each other. You know, what's what's one of those things like underrated for you about living here in Vegas? Maybe the mountains are first and foremost. Oh, wow. I love okay. hiking right. the mountains here. I'm from Minnesota, and so we don't have any sort of elevation okay. like that. But I genuinely really enjoy downtown Las Vegas. Like I love Fremont Street Experience. I love the Arts District. I've never been in a in a city that has as rich of a of a 
culture as it does here. What's really cool about it too is how accessible everything is, right? Absolutely. Like we, we look at, and you know, I'm from Southern California, so when you look at me, I know traffic. I know how hard it is to get everywhere. But when you start to look at all the different pockets, Within Las Vegas, you've got you've got the Strip, you've got downtown here on Fremont Street, and how cool and awesome it is, and how uniquely Vegas it is. And then you mentioned the mountains, the, the natural beauty, the ability to go out, and you know, in one day you can spend some time at elevation in the snow, and then you can come down here. That was my day yesterday. And, and now you've got hockey players in front of you. You've got guys that you can talk about. You've got a hockey team that you're excited about, and and a first place hockey team to boot. And I think. That's where we're going to start kind of the discussion about the Golden Knights as a hockey team. Year number one of Bruce Cassidy, this team right now sitting tops in the Pacific Division, tops in the Western Conference, just past the midway point of the season. Like, we kind of get numb to just how good this team has been from Absolutely. jump. We're so spoiled here. And, <laughs> and the thing is, too, is that the expectation is warranted. This is a team that's invested a lot in itself, made big-time gambles and hoping that they pay off. But when you look at the Pacific Division, when you look at the other teams in the NHL and how they're playing and the talent, what it looks like on paper, it's hard not to get excited, and especially with the success they were able to find early on in the season. I mean, this is going to be a hockey team that's going to be a big-time menace down the stretch and hopefully into the playoffs. So you're from Minnesota. How does Vegas stack up as a hockey city? Well, I'll say this. Minnesota fan base know, knows a little bit more about hockey because obviously we, that's just part of the culture there. I grew up skating. I was on skates at two years old. Yeah. And so it, it's just everybody has their own hockey stuff. But when you show up to the rink at, the, at, a, at a wild game, mm -hmm. it's usually not full of wild sweaters. You got a high school sweater here. You got a gopher sweater. You got some you know, random bits and pieces. And so it's more of just... Uh, a blanket rather than a patch like we're kind of a patch here yeah. and here I think it's more potent I've never seen a place like this I, I played college hockey on the East Coast where it's kind of like Minnesota but a little bit different a little bit more combative but here there's a different level of buy-in and love and just I, it's it's fascinating to see it unfold year by year it's woven into the fabric a little bit differently than maybe yes. it is in Minnesota right like when you when you are when you're from that area it is a part of your DNA. Yes. And this now, for a lot of Golden Knights fans who have been with this team from year number one, it's it's woven in a little bit differently. They, because this was that first pro it was big four here. team, mm -hmm. Vegas born, I think that's really the thing that you, you kind of, you go back on and you say, listen, I am all in on the Golden Knights and, and I, I, I hear from a lot of fans that say we've waited so long, so long, so long to have a pro sports team. The fact that the Golden Knights came in and, and kind of hit on every expectation you could possibly have. They set the tone for what they did. Vegas has become as a sports team. 100%. And I think that there's, there's again, it, it's, it's very much an understanding between the fans, between the organization, between the team of what the desired outcome is. And that's excellent. And we've seen it on the ice, and we're seeing it continue now with Bruce Cassidy at the helm. Absolutely. And you can even say it reverberates off the ice, too, in the in-game presentation, fan fests like this, oh yeah. and the outreach that they do to the community. They want this place to be a hockey town, and it is a hockey town first and foremost. Are people ziplining right now? Is that what's happening? I feel like I feel like Chance is about to zipline no from Slotzilla. You That's can't fantastic. get this anywhere else. Summerlin doesn't have this, guys. <laughs> Only down here in front What's, of the D Las Vegas. Yeah, you're absolutely right. This is phenomenal. Unbelievable. Um, I I'm keeping an eye on Chance. I am. I don't see him yet, but he should be coming 
through the sky at us, which is Slide just enough. There he is. Chance is legitimately zip lining to the Main Street stage from Slotzilla. And I, I ask you, I, I beg the question, yeah. what other hockey market's going to do this? None Not of many. them. None Not of many them. have just a zip line on hand. This is absolutely ridiculous. Chance, as we speak, is right above us on a zip line doing his chance thing. I love it. I love it. Hilarious. We even got sparklers over here. Sparklers. We got pyrotechnics down here, Ryan. I know. And this is, again, this is Fan Fest. This is an opportunity for you, the fans, to come out here to the Main Street stage on Fremont Street, presented by the D Las Vegas. Like This is an opportunity to, again, just kind of meet the players where they are. And that's something that you and I get to experience on a day-to-day -day basis. We right? take like, it for granted, I'm sure. We absolutely, we absolutely do, because there's a lot of nuance that was lost during the Zoom era, right? And yes. we'll just call it that, the Zoom era, where every single media availability was done on, on a TV, on a, on a computer screen, and you just lost the ability to connect with a player on an individual level. And that's what this fan fest is really all about, is individual players are going to be able to take a little bit more time in a more relaxed environment yeah. to chat with some of their fans. Yeah, absolutely. And then in addition to not even being at the rink, like there's a certain yeah, oh amount yeah. of like button up, it's time for hockey talk, we can't discuss anything else. Yeah, puck's deep, let's get a quick change in. <laughs> and so uh, this, this team does a really good job of setting up its players for success and making sure that they get what they need. But I'm excited to see a little bit of a, a button down. Maybe Paul Cotter shows up with a fedora again. Maybe there's a holiday fedora in our in our future. Here. So so I talked to Paul Cotter on the gold carpet at, at the home opener. Yeah. And we we asked him, like, legitimately straight up, like, you got to wear more of the fedora. Yeah. And he's just like, oh, no, we'll see. It's this an investment that. at this point. At this point in time, like, because he has become such an integral part of this team, and I, I think that, you know, maybe for some that happened overnight, but when you know the work that Paul Cotter's put yeah. in over the last couple of years, it's not an overnight success. This guy has done the work. And to me, when you look at some of the balanced approach that Bruce Cassidy's trying right now with the Lions, Paul Cotter might be the key to making that all work. He's a Swiss Army knife for me, and every team needs at least one guy, and I think they have two. I think it's Cotter and Nick Waugh. But what Paul Cotter brings that Nick Waugh sometimes shies away from because he's a little bit quicker, he's a little bit more of a goal-scoring threat, is Paul Cotter is a guy they like to call a sandpaper player. Oh, yeah. He's going to finish checks. He was finishing checks last night. He was throwing his lead around, and he's not the biggest dude. But guys can feed off that energy, off of that buy-in. Oh, my goodness. Now we got the, the divas walking <laughs> We got the literal goal tonight. Chance is jumping. Oh my goodness. Here it is. Unbelievable. Um, the night line playing the drums, walking us in. Everything is happening all at once. That's what it's like to be down here at, at FanFest. Now, you, you mentioned Paul Cotter and the physicality that he brings. And, and that's where I think Bruce Cassidy's challenged him to, to be consistent on a day-to-day -day basis, right? Yes. We know the skill that he has. We know the shot. We know what he can do in and around the net. But you're not going to score every game in the NHL. And this team is not setting him up to be the scorer. You're no, supposed no, no. to be supporting the pieces around you, Paul. And that's the beautiful thing. When yep. you've got Paul Cotter and you're trying to make something work with Cotter, Carlson, and Kessel to a degree, you're going to need that presence. You're going to yeah. need the forechecking. You're, you're going to need the hitting. You're going to need that pressure. And if Paul Cotter is able to do that and do it consistently, 
the goals will follow. Absolutely. The opportunities, the chances, that will follow. And we saw it the first night that they were together. Absolutely. And I'll tell you what, every time that kid gets an open look, he finishes. Oh, yeah. Like, he doesn't have a scorer's touch as much, but he has a scorer's eye, I like to say, because he's the one that can pick a spot. I know the goalie's shifted a little bit to the left, so I'm going to try to draw him a little bit more and then go back right. Like, he is putting pucks in different parts of that. And that's a very underrated skill. As a former netminder, you'd be surprised how many guys are just like, bar down, bar down, bar down. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's a guy that doesn't shy away from woman. He's been using the shootout, hasn't he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Who, he's, he won a shootout. Year up. Yeah. Exactly. And so that that shows me a certain level of edge as well, in addition to that physicality that he brings. There's so much confidence in his game, and I, I think that that's one of the things that feeds off because as a rookie, you're almost at a point in the room where you don't want to ruffle feathers too much, right? Like, Be seen but not heard almost. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. that's that's not Paul Carter. And that's a credit to Paul, right, his personality, yep. how much confidence he has in his game. But it's also a credit to the room. It's a credit to the leadership of Mark Stone and Alex Petrangelo. Be you, Paul. Be you. Wear your fedora. 100%. And that's the whole thing, right? Like, you'll get chirped. It's fine. Yep. But the the end of the day, like, this is a team that, that to me feels like it's growing, not just on the ice, but also in the room together. And that's been really missing the last couple of years because we had some big personalities that exited the lineup. And ultimately, when it comes down to it being in playoffs or in regular season, you will have times of adversity where you'll be looking around the room for not just somebody that says, let's go, guys, let's get ourselves together, let's go have a good effort, but to bring a levity to the room. That's what also I think Phil Kessel brings us being one of the best teammates in the league if you ask a lot of the guys that have played with them. And I think Cotter brings an element with that of just being you know, a little bit of a target, but a welcoming target at that. I, I think it's you, you have opportunities to rally at different stages. You've got adversity that you've got to work through. And I think what we've seen from the Golden Knights in the first half of the year is an ability to find ways. I want to explore that a little bit more uh, as we go along here today because for a team that's in first place, they've certainly had to go about it in a lot of different ways, low scoring, high scoring. Yeah find those different ways to win. And I think it serves them well as we go along. That's something we're going to experience and really explore when we come back here. We're live on Main Street stage with Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Bonus hockey, bonus coverage. It's the VGK Insider Show. A Sunday spectacular. We're here from FanFest. Vegas Golden Knights are walking the red carpet as we speak, spending time talking to fans, signing autographs, informal, fun, festive, as you can hear by what's going on behind me. Lots of music, loud music. Chance just ziplined into the stage. Like, this is uniquely Vegas, and it's, it's such an awesome thing to do because you know, a lot of times we look at natural breaks in the schedule, right? Yeah. And this to me serves as kind of a natural break in the first half of the year, second half of the year, and really how compact and difficult the schedule was for the Golden Knights in the month of December. They were able to navigate it because they were able to find different ways to win. And I think that's been really the calling card of this Golden Knights team. Absolutely. I think what's really hindered them in the past is their inability to adjust and find different ways to win against teams that sometimes make you play below the dots, sometimes make you play that two-to-one game. And so much of their confidence is based off of finding those early goals. We saw a little bit of that last night where they hit a couple of posts and weren't able to get things going. But with under Bruce Cassidy, with different guys chipping in at different times, they're finding ways to spark themselves and to really find those wins when you don't always expect to get them. 
So when you look at the Golden Knights, and I think identity, right, is, is a word that's thrown around yeah. often when it comes to teams. I, I don't I don't know what exactly the Golden Knights' identity is Me this either. season. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because I feel like you've gone through that period where you have key injuries, you've got players out of yep. the lineup, and I've contended all season long. This is a team that has to grow into the system, right? Yeah. This is a team that has to continue to get better as you go along. Game game 60 to 82 have to be better than 1 to 22. It was and, a shock that they were, did so well out and, of the gate considering how big of a change the system was. And, and that's the thing, right? Like, where do you put that? Do you put that on the players? Do you put that on the coaching staff and how prepared yeah. Bruce Cassidy was going into the year? Because first 16 games of the year, this team was as dialed in systems-wise as you're going to find a team that's learning a new system. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a little bit of both, but then this early season, you see a few more goals going in on your opponents than others. It's usually when Connor McDavid gets his big goal totals up, pad those stats a little yeah. bit. As you said, the 50 and 50 that you're super pumped about. Hey, come on. Hey, he's I not, mean, he's I slowing it. down on I me. I don't it. like it. But, yeah, it, this is... The Golden Knights have historically been a rush-heavy team and, yeah. and gone off of those and really based their identity around that. Bruce is not looking for that. Bruce is looking for a lot more conservative approach, especially in that defensive zone, to withstand. And maybe that's the identity. Maybe it's a resiliency thing that we're going to take on and just whatever the waves throw at us, we're going to be that mountain face. We're going to be that cliff that's going to stay there and, and just endure. It's predictability to a degree, right? Like yeah. in, in the defensive zone, especially, like you want to, when you've got Logan Thompson and Aiden Hill as your two goaltenders, and Logan Thompson's an NHL All-Star, he's going to the 2023 All-Star game. Yeah, That's a, a great piece of validation for Logan in, in where he's at right now as a starting net minor in the NHL. But all that being said, when you have relatively unproven goaltending at this level going into a year where you're expected to get back to being a playoff team, expected to still be a contender for the Stanley Cup, you want to make things as predictable as possible. And I think to a degree, the Golden Knights have done a good job of that. Yeah, keeping it simple, keeping pucks to the outside, not chasing bodies down, because that's where that man-to-man -man defense where you can get guys chasing down low and all of a sudden there's a two-on-one in front that wasn't supposed to be there. That's what I mean. They're, they're saying, go around the perimeter. Make us try to break our system. But that's where that resiliency comes in. That's where that commitment to the system is. And it starts from the blue liners. And it starts from them staying more at home and helping clear out pucks in front when they do to make them you, you know, the other thing, too, that Bruce talked about uh, not too long ago was adding layers now within the structure, yes. right? The ability to use your, your hockey sense, your IQ, those instincts that maybe you, you quiet down when you're learning the yep. system that now can maximize the system. What players do you see really being able to feed into that the most i've got one that comes front of mind to me it's mark stone he's been an absolute beast the last seven games or so and i think that's when he's relied a little bit more on his instincts to take over he's such a puck collector and that's one of his main skills that really differentiates him in this league but i'll say this someone that i've been really impressed in their ability to make that change considering how spotty it was a little bit last year, Chandler Stevenson. I don't mean to all bu bundle up on one line because we know that those two are basically a package yeah. deal. And maybe it's a switching of him from center to wing, and that's changed a little bit lately too. But there seems to be a different level of commitment to that high zone coverage. And then obviously you have the two best penalty killers in the league that both happen to be on this team, and Riley Smith and William Carlson. I think it does so much for this squad to have those veteran leadership 
and, and experience and understanding of when do I go, when do I not, when do I extend my stick, when do I keep it close to me so I can have it for a poke check. Those guys understand it and it sets the tone for everyone else. And you're you're starting, you're, you're seeing it really not just bleed into their five on five play, but their penalty kill has been elite since December. It has yes. been so good. What's the biggest, or are you noticing a major change outside of being more aggressive and trusting instincts? Well, in the last few games, I've noticed that they've made a bigger effort into basing the offense down low. And there's a lot of talk about on the power play where Mark Stone was on the bumper. And I love Mark Stone's vision. I love what <laughs> his ability to do things. But you know what? I don't always love Mark Stone's shot. You know whose shot I do like more? Chandler Stevenson. I want to utilize Mark Stone down low below the goal line and draw pressure to him because they know that he's a threat there to even try to stuff it himself on that short side. And I, you can see that in a little bit better of a floor check. Again, not so much in last night, but in the previous games where you're seeing a better commitment, and that comes with that physicality of that game. And I don't think it's a coincidence that it's happening as we're getting an infusion of talent back into this lineup as people return from injury. And then there, there's that aspect of it too, right? When you look at the Golden Knights getting healthier, that's going to be a big key Huge. as we move into the back half of the year because a lot of what, in my estimation, went wrong last year was just an inability to grow within the game. Yes. An inability to grow in the room as a team collectively over the course of 82 games. You have so many other teams in the league, right, that didn't go through as, as catastrophic and as many injuries as the Golden Knights did. They got better in the middle of the year. Yeah. Vegas didn't have that opportunity. No, and it's interesting, too, because as you, you can see teams that aren't as talented or teams that do get decimated by injury, there's almost like a recentering where all of a sudden we kind of go into our hole. We try to play a little bit of a system that we see now with Bruce Cassidy where you're in protect mode and that you only go out when it's when it's truly available to you. The LA Kings were like that a couple years ago before their infusion of talent was brought back in. But it's just, there's a stubbornness to this team sometimes. And honestly, it's, it's, it's a character plus and a character minus at the same time because it does make sure that you stay true to your identity. These guys call their number like Jack Eichel knows what he needs to do to be successful and what plays and how do I play. And sometimes it's frustrating the, some decisions that he makes, but ultimately you don't want the player to deviate from that because then they're deviating from their personality, their self, and what makes them great. So let's talk about Jack Eichel now let's. for a minute because it's his first full season with the Golden Knights. Obviously has a full off season. Comes out of the gate hot. Paired up with Mark Stone, Chandler Stevenson. That line really generated a lot. Then he ends up getting injured, missing some time. And yep. you've got a different look to the lines right now with Bruce Cassidy. You're trying to get more balance, number one. But you're trying to stack your centers the way that you want. From Bruce Cassidy's information going into the season to where we are right now. In a perfect world at full health, this team down the ice is Chandler Stevenson, Jack Eichel, William Carlson, and Nick Waugh. In order for that to happen, you've got to find players that complement Jack well, that he goes with and goes with well. Where do you see, who do you see fitting best with Jack? Well, right now, I really like him with Marshy and Riley. Yeah. Because Jack... So, so that, on, on the topic of that... Yeah. Bruce has gone to it a couple of times. Yep gone away from it relatively quickly. He does that for everybody, though. I think he's a guy that calls out numbers on the bench as they go. He goes 61, 81, 71, go. Yeah, yeah. And, and, okay. and I think he's that type of coach. So you got to find a way to, like, give that time to build, right? Yes. And, and I think that's where the Golden Knights really have an option and an opportunity here 
with this seven-game homestand, with it being as spread out as it is, you get a lot of practice time, you get a lot of time to dial in the details, but you should also have some runway for that line to, to be something that can grow. Yeah, and I just, it's important to see which combinations work because lines go dry, guys stop producing the same level. Like, you have to be able to find ways to spark your offense back because just going over and doing the same thing over and over again, I mean, that's the definition of insanity, right? And expecting a different result. And I just think, William Carlson has been not a surprise, but a little bit of, of a revelation this year because there's a lot of people talking about him starting the season on the third line. He hasn't produced the level that he did in his first season. We know that he's a great two-way center, but we need him to be more, and he was more early on. And granted, I think the injuries kind of disrupt that a little bit, and when they're not misfits, you know, the OGs, it's a, it's a little bit different of adjustment. But ultimately, I think, like you say, if they're given that runway, that time to gel here and playing with the talent that is Jack Eichel, yeah. that's going to make anybody better. Anybody better. I agree 100%. And, and on the topic of William Carlson, you saw it against the Pittsburgh Penguins, right? You, you saw how incredibly dominant he was in tracking down pucks, his forecheck, his ability to create space for Phil Kessel and Paul Cotter to do what they do best. If William Carlson can replicate that with those two players, all of a sudden that third line is really an area where you can you can chase matchups a little bit, yep. but you can also find some offense there too. Yeah, absolutely. And and when you have such high-end talents like Jack Eichel, like Mark Stone to an extent, you need to have people that are available to stay home and make the smart decisions and be there in case some things go wrong. Because that's going to happen, especially with how talented some of our defensemen are. We haven't really used them the same way that we have, especially last year. I mean, Alex Petrangelo had a little bit of a spurt of points last year, but he was basically the main racehorse yeah. last season. Yeah. And so right. you, you want to have people that know where to be, that can be those firefighters, essentially, when things go poorly. And I think that William Carlson takes care of so much that we don't really see on the scoreboard. And he's so, so under-respected. Which I, I'll tell you, like, to me, when it comes to William Carlson, that's the role I see on a Stanley Cup championship yeah. team, right? When, when you look at the, the offensive talent that, that Jack Eichel has and, and what – Chandler Stevenson and Mark Stone have been able to build together as a duo. When you've got William Carlson slotting in, and, and we, we still know there's a lot of offensive upside to his game, you define that role for him. He's so, so good defensively that he can carry a line that way, and if you complement him with the right players, chip in a goal here and there, and that's what it takes to win in the playoffs. Absolutely. When he gets space, even on breakaways, like he's a guy that almost finds a way to score against Arizona every time. There's always low scoring too. But the thing is, is that he is so excellent along the boards, and that is something that Bruce Cassidy really champions about this team, and is so important because of just the way that this whole system is set up, and how you take your opposition out of the play, right, is by winning battles, by winning those 50-50s, and so I think that takes a, a little bit away from his scoring ability, but ultimately it's a worthy sacrifice because you're getting more out of the line itself. And, and isn't that really kind of the direction that we're going with this Golden Knights team because I think right now tops in the Pacific Division the expectations that this team's going to the playoffs yep. and the expectation is based on the moves that have happened over the last three or four years this is a team that wants to win a Stanley Cup there's a window it's open right now and this is where the Golden Knights have to maximize and to me it's all about defining roles, and it's all about finding a way to roll four lines. Bruce Cassidy's talked about the importance of that, and I think what, what you are doing is shifting maybe the focus of what the expectations for William Carlson are to what they really should be based on his skill set.
absolutely. I, I don't think it's outside of, of, of the imagination to consider him a Selkie guy. Oh, yeah. 100%. And, 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 and this is the first season. Like, I think this is the next couple years as, as the system is more uh, as they seep into it with Bruce. But honestly, I think you can expect that. And I think that he has that skill set and has been building towards that although uh, in the last few seasons. Now, you mentioned uh, Swiss Army Knives, right? Yes. You talked about Paul Cotter. We haven't really talked yet about Nick Waugh. Yeah. Nick Waugh is extremely talented. He's got great hands in tight. He's a big body. He can carry the puck into the zone he can win board battles in the corners he can bring the puck to the net and then utilize his skill to finish ordinarily you're not talking about a fourth line center when you're you're describing that player but again if you start to put places put put players in these different if in these places where they can make a difference on a night-to-night basis yeah you have the option there for nick waugh to be the X factor, so to speak. Well, we loved using that when 89 was rolling around 100%. here. 100%. But, but that, you're exactly right. And you can just tell in the last couple games he's got, well, let's see, I'm terrible at math, too many pucks to the head, but <laughs> four points in his last three games after going, I think you said 17 during the break without seeing anything. And I think that's a direct result of just how jumbled the lines were with, with all the injuries. And when we say when you're rolling four lines, it's not just where this line goes out, this line goes out. It means that you're not disrupting everything. You're yeah. trying to piece things together mid-game and it kind of having all these levers going. It's really hard to get into a rhythm and, and find your elevated game when you're not sure who you're going to be playing with in the next shift to the next shift. So why does that line work so well? It's it's one that Bruce Cassidy has wanted from the beginning of the season. It's yep. one that it he's starts been, the game. he doesn't want to move away from. Like when the Golden Knights have been going through injuries, yep. one line was constant, and it was Will Carrier, Nick Waugh, Keegan Colasar. As a fourth line and as fourth lines go in this league, why does it work so well? I think it's because they're a threat. I think it's because they commit to the fourth line role, which is get on the forecheck, go hit people, create chaos, create space for other people, and more, most importantly, create apprehension in your opponent. They're a, they're a line that every time the opposition touches the puck, there's somebody right there ready to greet you. And the fact that they're able to execute on that, and then you have the outburst that has been William Carrier's season this year. I mean, it's wild some of the goals that he scored and the shots that he's been able to get off. And so when you have that extra added expectation you have to account for these guys a little bit more than other teams are going to have to jumble their lines maybe make some different considerations it's a hell of a tool to have so when you look at the golden knights and, and again as we've talked about this is a first place team in the pacific division first place in the western conference 56 points in 42 games I feel like the sky's the limit. I feel like what we're looking at now in the back half is number one, health, right? As much as you can and and hope for health, you want to see that carry through. You want to see some of the players come back on on the blue line, right? You get Alec Martinez back the other night. That was good. That was a step in the right direction. But you're still missing Zach Whitecloud, who I think is a really important piece of this team. Huge piece of this team. The way he defends in his own it's built for what Bruce Cassidy wants his team to do. And I, I think, again, you get you get Zach Whitecloud back. That's going to be big. It's going to be a while, but it's going to be big. And then you're missing one of your best puck movers in Shea Theodore, and you're still moving pucks relatively well. Absolutely. And I think that the, that's where some more diversification for the offense that's sometimes missing on a night-to-night basis can come from because we haven't really seen that much offensively from Shea Theodore this year. We haven't seen that much from Alex Petrangelo, and that's a huge change. That's a very different 
uh, commitment that those guys are making as offensive defensemen. Yeah. And that's where it's like Zach Whitecloud is so important for this team because he is a true stay-at-home defenseman that allows guys to go out and be their best. Alec Martinez is the same way. Would like him to block a few, uh, a few fewer shots. <laughs> so we're talking about the layering of the defensive zone. Let's try to get those pucks before they get to Alec's foot. Yeah. But still, it, it's it's such a talented decor when it's all healthy and said and done. And I think one of the top ones in the league. So when when you're looking at the Pacific Division, and, and maybe that's where we go along here and look at things. I, I think from from game number one to where we're at right now. Mm-hmm. It's hard to make an argument that the Golden Knights haven't been the best, most consistent team in this Pacific Division. And it feels weird to say that yeah, as fans, because I know that some people are, are not that happy with how things have been going. And and that's, and that's but it's true. It's okay I, I, to, in a, to a degree, right? Like, I, I host the post-game show. Yeah. I'm hearing the, the commentary after every win, after every loss, and it's hard not to react in the moment. And I, yeah. I, I get that. It's totally understandable. But when you look at the fact that the Golden Knights essentially wire to wire at this point have been first in the Pacific Division, and I know, I get it, there were similarities to where this team is right now versus where they were last year, similarities with some of the injuries, though I'd argue it's better this year than it was last year in terms of what you've been dealing with and who's been in and out in the lineup, all that. But to me, consistency is important. With the Kings on a night-to-night basis, you don't really know what you're going to get. With... Seattle, they're going to win games if they score a ton of goals. But if they don't, they're not going to win they're games. They're Buffalo West. They it's going to be six one, goals a night. Probably. 100%. They don't have Goathead jerseys to score oh. six in every single time they play. <laughs> nasty uh, you've, got, you've got Calgary, who's been up and down, as you've got some players coming in. It's new new to Daryl Sutter, which is an adjustment for a lot That's of people. That's a big adjustment. For sure. When you're talking about Jonathan Huberto, who scored 115-plus points last year, and he's struggling... Well, he's not playing with the same cast that he was in exactly. Florida, so it's a different and, role for and him. And that is all about how Daryl Sutter's going to kind of put things where he feels it's best, and even if it doesn't necessarily maximize an individual player, that's what he's going to do. Yep. So Calgary's up and down. Jacob Markstrom hasn't been very good. The Edmonton Oilers are going to go as far They're as They're oiling. They're going to go as far as Connor McDavid can take them because they don't have the goaltending. Nope. They don't have the defense. No, they do not. So, no matter how many dollars they pay, pay Darnell Nurse, he is not going to be that guy for you. We... Don't have to talk very much about the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, I personally <laughs> am going to sit here and say, uh, if you choose J.T. Miller over Bo, Bo Horvat, you've made a mistake. Correct. You've made a grave, <laughs> I could not agree more grave with mistake. You know they're trading him too. And that's that's the crazy part about it. And and again, like I wouldn't want to be there. Okay, though. listen, I, I know that we're here at the Golden Knights Fan Fest, but uh, you're a goalie. Yep. I got to ask you the question. Okay. J.T. Miller. His meltdown at Colin Delia, like, where do you fall on that? Because I imagine where you've do got, I fall? I, I know, I, I imagine, I know where you're gonna go here, but please, please, where do you fall on that? I would say to JT Miller, grow up. <laughs> you are not the czar of the ice sheet here. Mm-hmm. I've, I've gotten in trouble with my coach for going to the bench early. Like, I got absolutely bag-skated for about three days straight because <laughs> she thought I was making a decision for her. Like, yeah. You don't go, especially a guy that was just called up that's not a regular. Yeah, I just yeah. think it's so disrespectful. It's such an indicator of the type of leader that he is, which isn't a great one. It's sure. a more selfish player. Yep. That's why I can't, I, I, I can't disagree with you. Bo Horvat is should be the heart and soul of that team. He and, is. and they committed to the wrong guy. Yeah, 100%. But that's the Vancouver Canucks for you. Yeah, I, Great unis, I, terrible decision. I'll tell you right now, when I, when I watch the play happen, if I were a goaltender, 
And I know the defensive liability that JT Miller is. I'm not leaving my crease when he brings the puck back into and the he zone. Had possession of the puck. He like, was doing it. Like, just, just pick a job. Yeah. Pick just, a job. Stay like, in your lane, JT. If you want your goalie to come out and you want your goalie to feel comfortable looking to the bench to see when he's when he's supposed to go, yeah. maybe get up the ice. Correct. Maybe get up that's, the ice. That's the whole point. You don't go out of the net until they, you have possession, and then you're moving up the ice sheet. So it's fair to say that we oh don't think God. very highly of the Vancouver Canucks. No. We know where San Jose is going to be, and we know where Anaheim is going to be. So, again, in, in everything that we're looking at here, it's really going to come down to five teams in the Pacific Division, right? Yeah. As to who's going to make the playoffs. Vegas Golden Knights, Los Angeles Kings, Seattle Kraken, Calgary, and Edmonton. Those are the teams that... I really want to discuss a, a little bit more at length because that's going to be the thing we focus on most here in the back half of the season. It's jockeying for position. Yep. It's looking at those playoff matchups that are going to make the most sense. And I'm telling you, when we come back after this break, we're going to dive a little bit deeper into the Pacific Division and what we like most and what we've been most intrigued by when it comes to the Golden Knights and, and their division counterparts. Still go? Yeah. Oh, I'm. Wait, what? You, you got you got like ten seconds. Ten seconds yeah. to talk about all of the hockey things we could possibly do. Well. Well, now it's five. Now it's five. We're back next on Fox Sports Las Vegas. This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, ninety-eight point nine FM and thirteen forty AM. Now back to Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. VGK Insider Show Sunday Special. I think that that's what I'm, that's what I'm settling on for the name Come of this. Come on, it's Fan Fest Spectacular, Ryan. Okay. See, that's that's where we, that's where we're at. Give and take, pew pew pew, fantastic stuff. I say something lame. You come with the bells and whistles, and that's phenomenal. I like it. It is the Fan Fest Spectacular live from the Main Street stage on the Fremont Street Experience. It's the VGK Fan Fest brought to you by the D. So much happening, so much going on. Bruce Cassidy was just on the stage, a little Q&A action. Chance has ziplines from Slotzilla to the main stage. We've got players that are going to be funneling through here as we go. There's going to be another Q&A with players. Like, this is such a cool event. It's such a unique way of getting players out of, you know, their status quo environment. The hockey bubble, we like to call hockey it. Hockey bubble. And, and now you're, you're getting an opportunity to see that some guys are just like you and me. They're, they're just like us. They are humans. And that's a point that at times, when we're talking about wins and losses, when we're talking about games and, and we, how players are playing individually and collectively as a team, something that we lose sight of. Absolutely. It's, it's hard to accept that people have nights off or that they're not going to be at the peak of their powers every time they step on the ice. There's just this is a gambling town. There's fantasy involved. There's money involved. There's all of these things. And there's expectation for greatness for this team. So I agree with you. I think this is a great way to humanize everyone. And you know what? It, that we haven't got any players yet, but I like that because that means they're taking their time. They're shaking hands. They're kissing babies. They're doing whatever. And, and that's what makes this team and this organization and community great. Listen, they talk to us every day. Yeah. I, they're you, sick of me. Yeah. They, Bruce they is definitely sick of me. The la- the hey, Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> the last, the last people that that the players and, and to a degree Bruce Cassidy, yeah. the last people that they want to talk to is probably us today because, as you mentioned, we are in the trenches day in and day out. We're yeah. in the locker room after hard practices. We're in the locker room after tough losses, and that can be something that changes, you know, the dynamic a little bit. But I will say this, and I'm going to repeat this and echo this with all hockey players: there is a degree of meeting a player where they are 
and just asking questions that yeah. gets you so much, right? Because there's often times where you're just going to go into it and you're going to say, what did you see here? What did you see there? What made you make that play? What was that read about? And more often than not, you're going to have players just give you a sense of what it's like to be in that environment, on that ice, having to process everything as quickly as they do. Well, and here's the tough answer, too. Most of the time, it's a really simple answer. Most yeah. of the time, it's a really simple solution. And ultimately, that's why pucks deep is a real thing. That's why taking bodies all the way boards is a real thing. But when you talk about the minutia and, and the commitment to each and every detail of every inch of ice, mm -hmm. like, it is so hard to play this game at the level that they are. And let's not forget, they're playing against guys that are just as good trying to take our lunch money. Like, we're not out there playing against dummies, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I, I just, I so enjoy this game that, that you and I have really dedicated a huge part of our life to it, and them too, and I'm so appreciative that they take the time that they do to explain stuff, whether it's a simple question or a complicated one. I tend to make those a little bit more complicated than I should, <laughs> trying to get a crazy answer or two, but you know what? Uh, that's part of the biz and part of the experience. You know, it really is, and it's it's part of what makes you know, what we do so fun and so different and so unique on a day-to-day -day basis because you've got fresh material to look at. You've got games to parse through. You've got built-in storylines with individual players going against certain teams and systems versus systems. And, and I know we weren't going to get too much into last night's game, but for a Los Angeles Kings team that plays a passive 1-3-1 in the neutral zone, yep. leads are incredibly difficult to overcome when that team's dialed in and committed to that, which is why when you start looking at the back half of the year, you start looking at where the Golden Knights are at right now in the first in first place in the Pacific Division, yep. and you start kind of leveling up which matchups make the most sense for the Golden Knights if you're getting into the playoffs. That's why you start to really scoreboard watch, and this is the perfect time of the year to start doing that. Scoreboard watching, who do we want to face in the playoffs? Yeah. I mean, I'm always down to face Edmonton. I really am. <laughs> I really am. I think that team is cursed to a degree. I, I've talked on the Insider Show with Darren before that I don't think that you have a great chance of winning when you don't have a homegrown goaltender. If you go out and play a, pay a high premium price for a guy late in his 20s like they've done with Jack Campbell, it's be really tough for them because that takes away your ability to improve yourself, especially on the defensive end. But then again, Am I stupid for being like, bring on Connor, bring on Leon, bring back Evander Kane who's still recovering from that absolutely terrifying injury where yeah. he lost a lot of blood on the ice from just getting cut by a skate. Yeah. Like, they're a team that can score seven goals on you, but you have to play a certain way against them. You know who played the best game against them so far this year? The LA Kings with their passive one one hit or one three one in the neutral zone. Yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, that's the thing, right? I, I don't know that you're wrong there. When it comes to looking at matchups and it comes to looking at individual teams, the Edmonton Oilers, I assume, are going to make the playoffs. Yes. I do. High chaos factor, though. I'm as angry as I've ever been at Connor McDavid, and it has nothing to do <laughs> with anything outside of I wanted 50 goals in 50 games this year. I wanted somebody to really make a push. And who knows? Maybe Tage Thompson will come through in the back half for me. Maybe he gets there. Talent he is. I'd love to see it. But that all being said, as mad as I am at Connor McDavid, I I still don't know that I trust the Edmonton Oilers. I know they went to the Western Conference Final last year. By I don't outscoring trust them. everyone. I don't I don't trust them in a in a playoff series that can be as constricted as what we know Bruce Cassidy can put out there on the ice. 
I don't trust that the Oilers are going to be able to find four and five goals a game. I don't trust that the Oilers will get back into their own defensive zone. Oh, that's I a good point, that, too. That's what I, I don't was... trust. I don't care about the system, blah, blah, blah. I don't think they backcheck very much. They expend all their energy going downhill, and that's not going to be a great recipe for success against teams that are willing to make you grind it out. And here I am trying to be nice to the Edmonton Oilers, and here you are saying what no! everybody knows. They don't play defense. No. They don't play defense. No. And, and the other things for me, too, like when it comes to Edmonton, if it's not McDavid or Dreisaitl, and, and I know getting a Vander Kane back is going to help. Zach Hyman but also. But that, yeah, you're right. If it's not Zach Hyman, if it's not Connor McDavid, if it's not Leon Dreisaitl, then who? It's supposed to be Poole Yarby. Oh. That guy can pick his nose with his tongue. It's fascinating. <laughs> But that's a guy who was supposed to be uh, a big step up for them and a guy in their middle six. And he's just, he had a presence last year, and I, I almost never hear about him this season. They have absolutely no depth. And that's what I mean. They've spent money on big-time pieces at the top, but it starved the rest of their lineup. Yeah, it absolutely Somebody's has. Somebody's coming. I and, that's, <laughs> and, and it looks like, and I'm not sure, we're going to find out here it's in just a, a moment. I'm I'm fairly certain we're going to get Phil the Thrill. We're going to get Phil Kessel. Could you imagine? And I I could because I see him right in front of me, and I'm, I'm like 100%. Wow. Now, it could be Alex Petrangelo. We'll see who ends up coming down here. Uh, but we are going to get a player, and I can't wait yeah, to see Alex. what this experience. Fantastic stuff. Um. Right now, we are pleased to be joined here on the red carpet by Golden Knights defenseman Alex Petrangelo. Uh, all right, Alex, Fan Fest, have you ever seen anything like this? It's pretty chaotic in a good way. <laughs> it's good. It's good to see a mix of everybody, right? Different ages, too. I like seeing the kids out here. Yeah, it's awesome to see the kids. It's, it's great to kind of have this, this event where you get to be among the fans and, and, and take it in. Is it different though in the middle of the year where you, you kind of you got a body of work, you've got games, you know where you're at in the standings to just kind of go out and, and let loose and have fun with the fans? Yeah, I mean, I've always done it during training camp, so it's a little bit different. I mean, not too often you have four days in the middle of the season, too, right? To yeah. kind of get a break from everything. So um, it's good. It's good for the fans to interact with us, too. I think, like you said, we've got some momentum here and take a step back. Fans get to see us, you know, but in a different, uh, different atmosphere. You spent the first part of your career in a great organization in St. Louis, a great fan base at that. But when was the moment that you realized that this fan base here in Las Vegas was a little bit different than you've experienced? Well, I think it, they're hungry here, right, obviously, to see a championship one. It's only been, what, five, right, five years now? Yeah. Um, the energy is in the city, right, and every single year seems to be, you know, building and building as, a, as the city continues to grow. seems like the fan base is growing, and, and uh, you know, it obviously brings a lot of people into the city, uh, people who live here, but also people are coming in from all over the country here for the weekend we're getting them to come watch the games and they're getting part of the atmosphere and they're saying well this is one heck of a place to watch a game right so we're getting fans from all over the country now what's one of the most unique aspects of playing hockey in las vegas or maybe something you didn't expect when you first came here uh probably i mean whenever i played here on the road before i obviously lived here i mean the atmosphere was pretty amazing i mean um, I think just the day in, day out, seeing everybody at the practices too. I don't think we necessarily expect that, right? You think, okay, you put on this big show for game night and everybody attends, but uh, to see the following uh, throughout the city again, you go, go on a regular practice day and, and there's people in the stands watching, see how passionate people are getting. I think that's kind of one of the things I didn't really know until I played here. Yeah, they're not just watching, they're bringing signage with them yeah, for exactly, practice. It's yeah. a much different experience, but. In terms of what you've been able to see throughout your career just as a hockey player, what do you think the most has changed about this game? 
Hockey in general? Just hockey in general. It's a well, changing game. It's definitely gotten a lot faster. Maybe probably less physical than when I started, what, 12, 13 years ago. It's definitely changed. Um, I think scoring is a lot higher now than it probably ever was, probably by design. The league probably wants that. Um, but the game's in a great spot. Hard to argue with the way it's going. I mean, the talent level that you see up and down every single lineup right now, it's pretty fun to watch. And you're seeing... Um, all types of goals being scored and, and the parity in the league is is, is really good and any given night anybody can beat anybody so um, if you're a fan and you want some parity and you want to see everybody have a chance to make the playoffs I mean this is the best time to be a hockey fan Awesome stuff Alex, thanks for jumping on here and, and joining us, we'll let you go and we'll be back with more right here on Fox Sports Las Vegas Vegas wins a left circle drop. Petrangelo scores! He snuck it inside the right post. Wow! Threading the needle, Petrangelo. Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. It's a three-on-one. Marcheseau with Carlson and Theodore. Marcheseau to the middle. Theodore scores! Vegas in overtime! Shea Theodore wins it for Vegas. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for insider Inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here's your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on the road on a Sunday. It's the Fan Fest Spectacular from the Main Street stage. Catching on the spectacular. Fremont Street experience. It's fantastic. Uh, Lindsay, what did you just do? Well, I wanted to get one of the autographs, and for me, the most important person on this red carpet is Chance. So <laughs> I uh, offered him a, a Sharpie without a top that Alex Petrangelo left behind because we just yeah. finished talking with him. Yep. And it, he seemed to make a marking on my hand, but what do you know? The marker's dead. And oh. so I missed my chance for eternity. I thought this was going to be a day to remember, and I guess it's just another one in the book. It was right there for the taking. Yeah. You, there were a lot of hand gestures. There were a lot of uh, like nonverbal. None were obscene. Make no, that no, clear. No, none were obscene, but a lot Thank of nonverbal you. communication to try to get chance to understand what it is you wanted. Yeah. He finally obliges, and unfortunately, you have nothing to show for I have it. No, I have literally nothing to show for I was looking for a skin type of uh, signage, <laughs> and you know what? I am just going to have to go somewhere else or maybe try to find a different marker. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. If you were to get Chance's autograph on your hand, would you get it tattooed on your hand? No. <laughs> no! I love Chance. I love tattoos, so but then, there has to be this meaning behind it for me. There's all these things that have to converge at once. So then what happens? Like, you just, you just going to take a picture of it, and that's going to yeah, be the I mean, end of it? Yeah, that's life. Everything's just a beach that's rolled over by a wave, and what do you know? We're grain on the sand. Logan Thompson signing things in front of us. This is yeah, no, he is. By yeah, all means. No, no, you don't have to apologize My to us, table Logan. is your table, exactly. sir. Exactly. Uh, and that's really where we're at right now. We are as in the middle of it as we possibly can be. We've got fans to our left and fans to our right. We've got Mark Stone, Jack Eichel, Logan Thompson around us signing autographs and making sure they're taking some time to communicate with the fans that are out here. That's yeah. the th that's such a cool thing, too. It, you know, you just heard Alex Petrangelo talk about it, right? Yeah. Usually you do this at the beginning of the year in training camp prior to the season starting. And, like, there's a lot of optimism. There's a lot of hope as to what that team might be when you go out for your fan fest. 
But this is unique and different in that this is the turnout for a first place team and it is equal to the task. Absolutely, and you can tell that people are excited and that they want to make a connection with these guys. And, you know, I was a little worried. Maybe there was going to be a little bit of sour grapes from last night, but you know what? It's just a hockey game. It's one that you just sweep away. And ultimately, this is a team that we all love extremely. And so for us to be able to connect with them is fantastic. It's it's compartmentalization, right? Like, that's the thing. That's with, a great hockey skill to have, right? 100% is. And, and again, I, I think that that's really been something that has been on full display all season long for this Golden Knights team. And, and let's just kind of throw out all season long. Yeah. It's been the last year, right? It's been what happened last year, what happened last season, missing the playoffs for the first time, a lot of injuries, going through the ups and downs of an 82-game season when you don't have your full complement of players, and then going through something similar this season and still coming through in first place in the division, in first place in the Western Conference, and I think that's why you're seeing such a frenzy right now with these guys on this red carpet. Absolutely. It's understandable to get a little bit nervous because there are so many similar lines between this season and last season and just how big of a disappointment it was but guess what it was the first disappointment this fan base has ever experienced <laughs> and ever since the start of this season too you could tell that there's a little bit of an unfinished miss we want to prove exactly what type of team we are and prove that we can bounce back from a year that should be an anomaly given what this roster is capable of and i think that what we're seeing through the first half of the year is that it was an anomaly that you can look at all these different reasons as to why a team misses out. You can look at them as reasons or excuses, depending on how negative you want to be about it. But the fact of the matter is, you cannot take away, you cannot compartmentalize the Golden Knights season last year and not take injury into account. Failure is essential to success, people. Fair point. You need to have this, and it's just, it's its something that's so weird to us, especially in the in the Vegas community where it's almost instant gratification, get what you want now, 24 hours a day, and obviously with the success that we saw so early on with this franchise in general, but it was good for this team to be on the outside looking in. It causes guys to go back to the drawing board and maybe work a little bit harder in the offseason and to have a little bit more edge to their game, something to prove. I, I think every champion has had that in the last handful of years or just ever in general. You know what? And let's just let's just kind of talk about the Colorado Avalanche. That's yeah. a team that won the Stanley Cup last season. But that was not the beginning of their window. No. Right? That was a Colorado Avalanche team that had to endure heartbreaking losses in the playoffs, one of which was to the Vegas Golden Knights. And I don't know that looking at the landscape right now of where Colorado is that they've got another championship in them because it took them a while to get to where they should have been maybe two years ago. You want to talk about injury woes. They were on their fourth string goaltender in the bubble. Yes. And then I think it was Gabriel Landeskog had to miss game seven with an injury after trying to gut it out all the way through. And the parity in this league is insane. I think it's almost weird that you had a back-to-back -back championship with Tampa Bay and then you had the Penguins, you know, almost 10 years ago. But there's so much talent in this league, and there's so much young talent in this league where guys are stepping in and making an immediate impact. And Kale McCarr was one of those guys. They were talking about that in the post-cup celebration that, well, Colorado, Gabe Landeskog, why did you guys win? What's what's the difference? Find yourself a Kale McCarr at fourth overall. <laughs> You're like, okay. But you just see that how, how quickly teams can rise and fall. And so to, to expect anybody to repeat, be that as a Stanley Cup champion or a playoff team, 
I think is misguided. You have to earn it every single night and every single year. And sometimes it just doesn't go your way, even if you put forth your best, best effort. You're absolutely right. It, it, to me, hockey is such an interesting sport because there are a limited amount of plays that impact the outcome of a game, right? Yeah. Like there's a lot of plays that happen, but when you're talking about scoring plays that, that are tangible, one nothing, two nothing, four to five, whatever it is, there's so few of those moments within a game that actually result in goals that there's a randomization of this sport that you just can't account for. You can be the better team 10 out of 10 times and you might only win seven or six of those games because you can run into a hot goalie, you cannot get the bounce, the puck that you throw on an empty net can hit the post, or a diving stick, it or whatever. It happened in a gold medal game, Ryan, for Team USA Women's. It did. It and literally happened, and then they lost the game. And that's the thing, right? Like, you, you have to look at hockey through a little bit of a different lens, and that you have to have yourself, you have to give yourself an opportunity. You've got to give yourself a chance. And that's why I find it so interesting when midway through a year, and it's not so much that, that we do it or anything like that. It's, it's human nature to do this. Midway through a year, you say, I know what this team is. I know what the Golden Knights are. I know what the Colorado Avalanche are. I know where they're going to go. I know where they're going to finish. I know everything because there's so much that, that you can't you can't really account for in this game, like matchups in, in the first round of the playoffs. There are things that can derail you. There are things that can propel you. And I just find it so funny that all you should be focused in on right now is whether or not the Golden Knights are a part of a 16-team tournament to win the Stanley Cup. Because that's what you can control within this moment, and that's the only objective right now. For me, it's not about finding out who the Golden Knights are. It's seeing what they do night after night. Because results follow process. They're the hockey gods are oh. fickle, Ryan. You want to put that oh. on a t-shirt? You want to put that on a t-shirt for me? You totally You're talking can. about process. The process. The process, as some of our neighbors to the north would say. But the thing is, is that, like you said, you could be the better team on the ice. You could be putting forth the effort, and sometimes you, it doesn't go your way. Seven out of ten times, it doesn't go your way. But if you're closing your gaps correctly, if you're not chasing pucks when you don't need to, if you're making hygienic changes when you're not leaving guys out to dry, if you're making good breakout passes, you're, all of these little things, the little things this game likes to talk about. If you're doing that, sooner or later, the hockey gods will pay you back. They will. Details and structure. Yep. Right? And and I know that it, Nails build the structure, Ryan. It, it becomes cliche, and it becomes, you know, one of those one of those exercises in the mundane. Yes. But it is what's necessary, right? And and there are going to be times where the process is going to be good, and the results won't be there. Yes. And there are going to be times where the results are there, and the process is not where it A needs to be. A thousand percent. And I think when you're looking at this team and assessing where the Golden Knights are at, Outside of wins and losses, outside of results, ask yourself, did they forecheck? Were they allowing dangerous scoring chances? Were there odd man rushes against and multiple? How did they look on the penalty kill? Eye test and how they're playing has to result in, in into our assessment of where this team is. Yeah, it's... It's a zone-by-zone zone game. It's one breakout pass at a time. It's a tape-to-tape. -tape. Are they not area passes? Are we, are we having to spend more time g gathering ourselves rather than being able to step right into it? 
and that's really where I'm looking for in the Golden Knights in their next kind of part of their overall process is finding that consistent 60 minutes because the second period has been a big challenge for them so far this season. It's not because of lack of effort. I mean, the players themselves, we've asked them in the yeah. locker and postgame, what's going on in the second period? Well, I wish I knew. I wish I knew because for the most part, they're making those right checks and balances, but they're not getting those bounces their way. But it's something that needs to be rectified, and sometimes it's not necessarily, well, we need to play the neutral zone better. Sometimes it means we play the D zone better so we don't be in the neutral zone as much as we are in that certain light, and that will help us move through and have a better offensive game. And, and there's also a degree of game management to it, yes. right? And that's one thing that I think you and I both agree on when we are assessing this team. At times, you've heard the word stubborn thrown around yep. from their head coach, Bruce Cassidy, and it, it has to do with identifying certain pockets within the game where maybe instinctually you're looking for that next goal. Instinctually, you're looking to continue to do what maybe was successful in the first period but then you're starting to feel a little bit confident. Then you're starting to feel a little bit like you can make that play. You can squeeze that puck through that area. You can force that right. play that's in front of you. I can take you. an extra dangle or two. I got One, time. 100%. No. And I think the biggest strides that this team's going to take in the back half of the year is managing the game better, right? Yes. I think over the course of a 60-minute game, the Golden Knights have had really good pockets of great hockey. But... How you get to, to where they want to be is all about that game management. But we are joined now, pleased to be joined, by Golden Knights forward Paul Cotter. Uh, Paul, how about this Watch for FanFest? How, how's it feel up there? Test. Yeah, we, we got you. Right. Can you hear us? <laughs> yeah, got you guys. This is, this is unbelievable. Wow. There's... Uh, I didn't think I looked up once, but <laughs> this is pretty awesome. So, did you, were you were you able to see Chance? He he actually rode the zip line from Slotzilla all the way to the stage. Did no. You see that? Yeah. Oh yeah. No, he did. Like right above us, he landed. It was fantastic. <laughs> I didn't see it. I didn't look up. I should have. So let me ask: Have you ever have you ever done a zip line, anything like that? Man, I, th I, I think uh, we went to Aspen, Colorado one year as a family. I think I did it once, but a long time ago. So this is a unique situation because ordinarily you don't do a fan fest in the middle of the season, but how nice is it just kind of to break up the year, right? You, you just hit the halfway point. You get a little bit of a break. You get to be among the fans, and then you get to focus on the back end. Yeah, you know what? It's cool. It is. Uh, you realize it's it's part of the whole family. This uh, this city is a it's a tight city. I mean, these guys. The reason why we you know the reason why we do so well each year is because of these guys, right? It's it's electric in the stadium, and uh, it's part of our family. So it's it's good to give back and. We're really right with them, so it's, it's cool to have them to support us. We were just talking about how hockey is a process. You you just do the same Jonathan, thing every day, but you were in Henderson before. Now you're healthy, up and down uh, this red carpet. Your day didn't exist as a Golden Knight. How often do you have to pinch yourself? Because it's kind of outrageous that this is your existence right now. It's nuts. It's nuts. And I, I get reminded by my family and friends all the time, like, stuff like this i'll see a picture or something and it's it's so cool it really is and it's uh we don't have time to stop and think too often but he's a professional already yeah i know right on the money thanks so much for doing this paul we appreciate it we're back with more on fox sports las vegas License number NSCB 794150794. Ever see what people put down their drains? Every day. We'll unclog any drain for just $80 with up to a 30-foot drain snake. And we don't tell anybody what we find in there. Get air conditioning and plumbing. GOETTL.com. 
see your Vegas Golden Knights Saturday, January 21st against the Washington Capitals in the Flight Deck. Presented by Allegiant. The Flight Deck is where all the off-the-ice excitement happens, from the Knights Castle to the Night Line. Tickets in the Flight Deck are standing room only and include all-you-can-eat food, beer, and wine. Tickets start at just $178. Go to lvsportsnetwork.com for the link and use the promo code RADIO. Sponsored by Lerner and Rowe Injury Attorneys, West Star Credit Union, and Las Vegas Honda Dealers. Resale transfer are restricted. Tickets will be delivered by a mobile 48 hours before the game. Hey, Knights fans, Finley Volvo Cars Las Vegas invites you to the new 360 video selfie experience at T-Mobile Arena for all the home games this season. Strike a pose and you could score free tickets to an upcoming home game. Powered by Finley Volvo Cars Las Vegas. If you need to sell your house, talk to Aaron Taylor. You want to sell it fast and get the most cash. Talk to Aaron Taylor, the real estate guy. Happy New Year, Dad. Hey, kid. Happy New Year to you, too. Are you excited about all the opportunities we're going to have in 2023? Oh, yeah. Values have adjusted and inventory has stabilized, which means you can still get top dollar for your house, along with a cash advance and all repairs if needed. Oh, and don't forget, we buy ugly houses in five days or less, always giving our clients top dollar. We have helped over 7,000 families, over $2 billion in sales, and have the number one real estate brand in Nevada. The real estate guy. We know how to get the most money for your home. Go to therealestateguylv.com to search for all homes in Nevada and see all of our five-star reviews. Call the Real Estate Guys today, 702-310-6683. That's 702-310-MOVE. EXP Realty, license number 38886. Call for details. Talk to Aaron Taylor, the real estate guy. Richard Harris Law Firm. From everywhere they call in, Carson City, Carlin, Winnemucca, Elko, Sparks, and Vegas, all those wins have made us famous. When they're injured, more Nevadans turn to the Richard Harris Law Firm. Because no one knows Nevada like we do, call 444-4444. Henderson, Reno, West Wendover, call us up, we'll talk things over. And don't forget Perump. Carry on all the way to your locally owned Meineke, your one-stop shop for total car care. With Meineke e-inspection, you'll know the problem and the fix. We'll send real-time updates, photos, and technician notes straight to your phone. Engine, brakes, tires, oil. Meineke, doing car care right. At participating locations, terms and conditions apply. Stop in today and get a premium synthetic blend oil change for just $29.95. Well, take a look at this video just released. It shows what happened after two Florida men got in an argument last month. You see one chasing the other with his tractor. We interrupt this news broadcast for this important message. The Vegas Golden Knights will be hosting the Florida Panthers at the Fortress for a game of hockey. This game is scheduled to take place Thursday at 7, but pregame will start at 6. You can hear all the on-ice action right here on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. And now, back to the news. And when you say he came after your husband with his tractor, did he chase him down? Interact with the guys on Twitter. Follow them at Darren Millard and at Ryan the Hockey Guy. This is the VGK Insider Show. VGK Insider Show, Fan Fest Spectacular. We are out here on a Sunday. VGK Fan Fest going down Main Street Stage, Fremont Street Experience, brought to you by the D. And we've talked to Alex Petrangelo. We've talked to Paul Cotter. Hot lap with Paul Cotter. Hot lap with Paul Paul Cotter. And that's a that's a bummer for a lot of different reasons. Number one, Paul's phenomenal. He's such a great talker, incredibly honest, open, and we you know we talked about his personality earlier on in the show and how, as a rookie, 
he has such a command of who he is as a person and what he can do for this team. Absolutely. I think that every single guy in that locker room wants to take Paul Cotter under their wing. Be like, oh, want to yeah. go get dinner? Yeah. Want to go, go shoot some ski ball somewhere? Want to hit up D&Bs? <laughs> you know, like, you, he seems like that type of guy. D&Bs. D&Bs. Oh. And, and I, those guys are so important and such important characters in the locker room. As I mentioned earlier in the broadcast, there needs to be a levity in the locker room because sometimes it's not about uh, bearing down on the details. It's just saying, well, we're playing like junk tonight, aren't we, boys? And just kind of being honest about a situation or having you know a little bit of a friendly target to, to beat up on in a way or at least a metaphorical way. And he's just been such a, a great addition to this team. And I remember in preseason, it was like, is he going to make it? Is he not going to make it? I, I can't picture this team now without him. I can't. And, and that's the interesting thing about it, right, is, is you had Paul kind of force his way into this lineup, yep. onto this team through a great training camp, plays well, ends up getting hurt, and in the absence of Paul Cotter as a day-to-day -day player, not having him as an available option, it gives you an idea of just how much he was doing. Absolutely. And as you've talked about humanizing the team and, and the players on the team, that's just Paul Cotter. You just yeah. Every time you get one person back, you're just like, oh, my God, how different the lineup is because it moves everybody back down a slot. Maybe that's more in their comfortable role. You're not asking William Carlson to do everything. You're asking him to do 70% and just win a couple more board battles. And that opens him up for other opportunities. Like Every single one of these guys has a great role to play. It is incredibly important. And their omission is a huge deal. So when they get back in and when we see what this team is truly capable of, it's going to be a special squad. So when you when you start to look at the, the second half of the year for the Golden Knights, what are some of the things that you're going to be keeping an eye on uh, that you want to see improvement within? Like We just talked about game management. I yep. think that's going to be the number one thing for me is when you've got a 3 nothing lead in the second period, I know it's cliche. I know it's details. Pucks in deep. Like That's the play. That's what you've got to do. You've got to make it difficult for the opposition to come 200 feet to score a goal. Like those are the aspects of the game that I'm looking for the Golden Knights to really dial in because I think when they get there, they're gonna be a really hard team to yeah. beat. I don't much have a theme as much as I have an area of the ice that I would like to see massive improvement on, and that could be from decision-making, that could be from an execution standpoint, but the offensive blue line. We saw a lot of turnovers there last night, and this is a team that Bruce Cassidy has talked about in the past that doesn't always drive the net as effectively as they should, especially number nine. Like, he's an unbelievable physical presence when he's feeling himself, and that driving to the net instead of letting up, trying to dish for a lateral pass. I want to see those pucks before that pass is made at least to the top of the circles because I think that just opens up a lot more offensively. It makes your opposition make a decision and probably take a body over with you and takes the pressure off of your defenseman where there's been turnovers and then a whole lot of ice behind you to make up for it. Do we take for granted the skill that Jack Eichel has? Yes, absolutely. What is it for you? Like, what what is the thing that Jack does that, that makes you say, wow? It's his edge work. It's his skating. It's it's his ability to go from zero to sixty, whatever sixty is, in in a blink of an eye. And he's not a guy that's always managed the skating as well, but he's getting better at that. You could see since playing for Bruce Cassidy, he's talked about a more of a commitment to the two hundred foot game. But that requires him to stop and start a little bit more often. That means you can't drive as low as you want, or at least you have to get going a little bit quicker than you originally thought. And so for him, it all starts with his legs, and that's the premium skill in today's NHL. Well, now we are pleased to be joined by the voice of the Golden Knights, Dave Gosher. And Dave, let me ask you, uh, did you turn down zip lining in? You know what's funny, Ryan? I want to try it. <laughs> and that's no lie. I'm not the greatest in the world with... Um, 
heights. With heights yeah. and or flying, which sounds asinine because I fly a lot right. with what I do. Shane's no good at it either. Like, <laughs> I swear to God, maybe it's because I'm getting a little bit older now. When I hit turbulence, yeah. I'm convinced it's over. Yeah. When that's not White actually, knuckles on that yeah. hand So right? Shane and I figure if we hold on to the seat yeah. as hard as we can, that'll keep everything just fine. But I would try this just because yeah. I think you got to kind of give it the experience just once anyways. You know? So when you look at an event like this and you've been here from the beginning, like how nice is it to see how much this has grown and how much this community loves this team? Yeah, it's awesome. I'll tell you, the first year we did it, first two, I think, we were at the other stage yeah. of the D, um, which was unbelievable. And it, today reminded me of it. It was just people as far as you could see. Um, and I don't have an estimate. I couldn't tell you, 5,000, 6,000 people here. Yeah. Um, and I'll tell you, it was, it, was, it was brutal the last few years not being able to do it. The last one we did at the Downtown Event Center, and we were talking about it backstage, it was February 28th of 2020. Yeah. We have a banner hanging in our office. And literally 10, 12 days later, the whole world changed. And we weren't able to do it, you know, since then. So it's just been, it's been unbelievable. I, I think, you know, Shay and Jonathan were up on the stage with us here a couple of minutes ago. They've been here since year one. And it's just, there's no place like it in the league. I mean, other teams have rabid fan bases and they're popular. But for a team that's been around for now not quite six years, five and a half years, it's it's been an unbelievable ride. Yeah, it's, it's for sure a special experience. And moving from Minnesota, you're out east before, like yeah. in more traditional hockey fan bases. I've just never seen a buy-in like this. So you go to a hockey game out there, everybody's wearing their high school jerseys, their college jerseys, you know, it's part of, a different part of the culture. But here, everybody's got sway. We got multiple outfits, we got a jacket, we got layers. But I, I'm wondering because You've called so much, and this team has accomplished so much in such a short amount of time. What's the most vivid me memory that you have of this team in this tenure? Oh, God, Lindsay, it's a good question. I, I think, you know, that year one, it's hard to get around just how special that was. I mean, I remember Shane Theodore scored a goal with, I think, three seconds left to beat Tampa yeah. right around Christmas, and I felt like the roof was going to come off the building. <laughs> um, William Carlson's goal through his legs, the shorthanded goal to beat San Jose to clinch the division that first year. I'll tell you the thing that really jumps out to me as much as those, if not more, is the first ever home game. Yeah. Right yeah. after the shootings at Mandalay Bay. Yeah. And, you know, all that happened literally inside of a week before the Golden Knights started on the road, had a game in Dallas and Arizona, then Arizona at home. And just, you know, I think a Derek Anglin speech, you know, that first night. So. But there's a lot of it, you know, them winning game seven against Minnesota. It's the only game seven they played at home in yeah. 2021. The TSE hat trick. Um, that's not just one thing, I guess. I guess that's a lot of things, but there's a lot to cover over almost but, six years. But, I mean, that speaks to this organization, right? It, right, it speaks right, to right. what the, the players have been able to accomplish in such a short time coming together. You, you mention all these moments, and they all – Teams that have been around for decades maybe don't have as much as the Golden Knights have been able to pack in in yeah. six years. Yeah, you know, I, you think about teams that have not been as fortunate. I, I think of, like, the Columbus Blue Jackets, yeah. right? Yeah. Buffalo Sabres haven't made the playoffs in over a decade. Um, there's teams that are, you know, the Florida Panthers last year, you know, they, they hadn't been in the playoffs in forever. Um, younger, but, you know, came into the league. Florida came into the league and went to the finals early, but they hadn't done much. Since then, Columbus has been once, maybe twice. Yeah. Um, and I think that's part of it. You know, the team has been good since the beginning. Now, nobody expected that in year one. 
but they just, there was some intangible there. There was some magic pixie dust involved that they've kind of ridden that. Now, last year was a bit of a setback. I think we all agree they're a playoff team if they don't get, yeah. you know, decimated with injuries. Yeah. Um, and I think this year, barring, you know, this last stretch, they had a lot of people out. Now they're starting to get healthy again. But I will tell you, Ryan, what that first year did was it fast-forwarded everything for them by at least five years. Right. The original plan in year one was they had a lot of guys on expiring contracts. They're not going to make the playoffs. They'll trade those guys, get draft picks, and build for the future. Well, none of that happened. The and rest then, is history, yeah. yeah then, the, then the expectation level was was raised. So you go out and you trade for Stone, you trade for Pacioretty, you sign for Trent. You know, we know all the deals. But um, for me and for Shane, we love it because we know they're going to be a contender. Yeah. Now, yeah. you know, they're going to win the whole thing. Who knows? I mean, it takes a lot. We had Bruce Cassidy up there earlier. It takes a lot to win the whole thing. Yeah. You have to have a little bit of luck. You've got to stay healthy. Um, there's a lot that goes into that. But at least we know they've got a legitimate chance if they're healthy to be one of the teams that can make a good run for it. Well, and what a unique challenge for them to have so much success and, and expedite that timeline. In addition to learning how to be a pro organization, a town that hasn't had that at this level, and you've been here, as you mentioned, from, from day one, and you've called a lot of hockey games over your career and watched a few as well. What has changed the most during the, the existence of the Gold Knights and just the game in general? Because there seems to be so many different layers to the game, even just in the last five, six years. Yeah, I mean, I think the speed of it, Lindsay, you know, the speed and the pace of the games is incredible. And I think especially at T-Mobile, it's through the roof. Um, I, I just think it's faster than it's ever been. The skill level, these guys come in now and you think of some of these younger players that have been drafted high in the last few years. Jack Hughes, the guy in Montreal, Slavkovsky, um, high, high picks. They don't owe in power. They don't tiptoe their way into the league. Yeah. <laughs> they come in and they are ready to play, and they're ready to play at a real high level. So I think that's the part. You know, when I was thinking about it, Shane and I were around Phil Kessel a long, long time ago in Boston. Yeah. Shane had him his second year. I was broadcasting his games when he was a rookie. Phil had a pretty good rookie year. You know, no disrespect to what he did, but he wasn't coming into the league the yeah. way these guys come in now and expect to be dominant players. So I think that's maybe the biggest thing that I, I look at. I'm like, they're 18, 19. I don't know what the hell I was doing when I was 18, <laughs> yeah. but it wasn't playing in the NHL. Well, the league wants scoring, right? And yeah. So they want those small area games, a lot of those skills that those young players have really developed through. And so it's no surprise that they've been able to achieve so much success so soon in their careers. Yeah. So we'll wrap it on this, and thanks so much, Dave, for jumping on here and, and giving us some of your time today. Um, the Golden Knights are in first place in the Pacific Division, first place in the Western Conference. Uh, it's a pretty resounding answer from the disappointment of last season. What are you looking for from Vegas and this team in the back half of the season? Yeah, I mean, I, feel, I still think if you looked at it objectively, Ryan, they and maybe they – I tried to throw out last night's game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I, I don't know if the coaching staff's thinking that way, but yeah. I'd like to kick it out. But, you know, can they find an answer on that third line? And is it what we kind of, what they started with a little bit last night, you know, with with Potter, Carlson, and Kessel over the last, I, maybe, Yeah. you know, or if it's not from within, do they, do they try to add somebody? There's right. some enticing players that could be available. Patrick Kane would be nice. Jonathan Taves would be nice. There's a lot of Ryan O'Reilly might be available. Yeah. But I, I still think you'd like to see them add somebody that can score in their top nine. Not even so much in the top six. Right. Yeah. 
you know, could they add a depth defenseman? Maybe, although you know, some of the kids, Pahal and Korzak, could come up and played well. Mayor Manoff played well before he got hurt. So I think there are still things they'd like to solidify a little bit. The health of the team is the health of the team. I mean, I, I think the hope is that Shea Theodore is not too far away. Mayor Manoff, hopefully it's not too long. White Cloud's a little bit longer. They're basically healthy up front now with the exception of Brett Howden. Yeah. So can they... You know, I, I keep I tell people this, and I forget about it sometimes. They were in first place at the All-Star break last year, right? And then they get hit with another batch of injuries. Yep. Smith, McNabb, Leonard, Stone, you go right on down the line, and they couldn't overcome it. Right. So hopefully they don't run into that stuff again, and if they are healthy. You know, we joked around, I think, in the pregame last night. Bruce Cassidy says a lot about... Well, I want to see what our team's like when we're healthy. Well, they were 13 and 2. They were healthy. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They won nine it's a great sample size. You're like, huge yeah. fans. They have 15 games. That yeah. gives you a pretty good indication. So, you know, there's a lot of ifs there for every team, but I do, I do think we know what they have here, but that doesn't mean that to go and win four playoff rounds over two months, that's a different story. You're going to lose guys just by attrition to injury. Yep. Can they build enough depth in their lineup to be able to, to hopefully withstand that down the road? Excellent. Well put. Dave, thanks for jumping on here. Right, I always appreciate our conversations. Um, we'll get you on a zip line. Yeah. Backwards. Maybe not today. Backwards, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fantastic Backwards with a reinforced harness. <laughs> All right. Thanks All right, so much, Dave. That is Dave Gosher, the voice of the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, just one of the coolest guys to have a conversation with. I, I love talking to Dave. Well, especially when you have people that have had so much experience with this league and seen stars come and go and seen how other teams have been able to go through the similar problems that the Gold Knights have gone through and, and see what works, see what doesn't. And so I just think it's an all-star team. You're part of that team. I'm part of that team. It's just it's a great place to be and uh, a great fandom to be a part of. I'll, I'll be honest. This is the second time I think that I've broadcasted live from FanFest. Last year... We did it, and it was an insider show. It was on a, on a weekday, I believe. So it was a two-hour show leading into it. Then you just kind of hang around, get the uh, get the experience of being among the fans as they are listening to the Q&A that's happening on, on, the, on the stage with the players. This has been a completely different and unique experience yeah. for me for a number of different reasons. Number one, I've enjoyed having this conversation, long-form conversation hockey with you. Oh, thank you. I me too. stand by this. I think you think the game in such a different way than what's represented on radio and i love that you can dig a little deeper and that we get to do that whenever you and i when our paths cross so number one first and foremost it's fun sharing this opportunity this stage with you number two this environment this atmosphere is unreal I've never been a part of something like this. We've been literally next to the biggest speaker this entire time. Like last night, it was so loud in T-Mobile. I could hear the bass drum in my intestines. It's basically been the same thing since we've been here. And so yeah. the adversity that we have gone through today <laughs> to perform at the level that we have, I mean, it, it's it's honorable, some could say, with an O-U-R. Yeah, it is. It is honorable. You're absolutely right there. So let's, let's kind of put a bow on this afternoon. Let's put a bow on the first half of the season for the Vegas Golden Knights and you know Dave just kind of said it as as eloquently as you're going to hear it right um, this team has battled injuries they've been resilient but you still have to kind of get this over the goal line right you've still yeah. got to find a way whenever when everything's said and done and 82 games have been played that you're in that tournament for the Stanley Cup how do the Golden Knights do it 
Well, as I alluded to earlier, I think it's trusting that process and trusting the talent in your stars because ultimately the front office has done a great job in equipping this team to compete in an otherwise pretty weak division. And so it's finding that consistency. It's finding ways to be not just a presence in the second period, but a force and being able to close games out and be able to find scoring in each and every frame and not have to always go to, well, we need to switch up the lines. We need to find a spark. That fire should be ready and roaring as much as you possibly can. As we talked about earlier, it's a night-to-night -night thing. Not every night's going to be an easy task to do that. But there are certain nights that it's more important than others and that you have a mix where other guys are stepping up, where it's not just Mark Stone, it's not just Chandler Stevenson, it's not just Nick Wong. And so balance is going to be something that we look at over the course of uh, the, the remaining 40 games of the year. How does Bruce Cassidy deploy his lineup? Who's playing with Jack Eichel? Is William Carlson your third-line pivot? And can you get enough out of Carlson, Kessel, and Connor for that to be a, a bona fide, legitimate third line that contributes on a team that's expected to do some damage in the playoffs. I think so. I was really a fan of that Kessel, Cotter, Carlson line. I thought they were the best line on the ice the other night when they played and they had those couple of points. And you got to think about it too. This is a team that has taken care of their special teams deficiencies. They've always had a great penalty goal, but their power play, which nobody's talking about, which was the only topic anybody could talk about the last couple years, has been rectified. But when you have those, that means different guys are playing different minutes. So when they go out for 5v5, can you trust the lower lineups where they're not on the penalty kill, they're not on the power play, to get things done and to take care of business, not be a minus, and sometimes chip in? You know, we haven't at any point in time here talked about goaltending. That's weird I, to me. I just realized that. We haven't had a, hey, one buddy. conversation over the last 90-plus minutes about goaltending. And, and there's a lot of different reasons for that. You can look at the play of Logan Thompson of Aiden Hill as a big reason for that. But the fact that the Golden Knights have been so strong defensively in front of those two guys yes. has really taken one of the big question marks going into the year, and it's not there anymore. Like, this team, if they play to their structure and they play to their strengths in the defensive zone, they're not going to be giving up a lot of quality scoring chances. And if Logan and Aiden continue to make the saves they're supposed to make, I don't think you're going to have questions about goaltending. Absolutely. And I, at the beginning of the season, I said when we kind of figured out what our goaltending situation was going to be is that they're going to have to be patient because there are going to be times where they look like world beaters, which they were. Logan Thompson's an all-star for a reason. He's got the talent to be an all-star caliber goaltender. But you're going to go through ruts. You're going to go through lulls. It's just the name of the game, especially for these guys with their limited experience. And the team has done a good job in supporting them in that and pushing them when they need to. Bruce was, wasn't afraid to call him out a couple weeks ago, but then he didn't say really anything about it last night because yeah. there's a give and take to this. There's a psychological game to this where you're trying to make sure you're keeping everybody not comfortable but just just uncomfortable enough to keep going back to the well to find that competitive fire we know that logan thompson has no shortage of that but there needs to be a controlled burn he plays just as much as his personality is he can get a little bit outside of his crease but ultimately he can make some spectacular saves and keep you in games when against other goaltenders they might be going behind him when you look at this afternoon what's what's your highlight here like i mean it, it's other hard. than my autograph that never was from chance I, i'm telling you i mean i have a very very faint line you can say end. you can say chance tried that's true he tried the effort was there he yeah. trusted the process yep. and the results don't always get there exactly the the process was was really in in where it needed to be on your part yep. uh, the details were dialed in but uh sometimes the result just doesn't come through but but i'll try Again. When you look at, again, when you look at today, yeah. right, 
getting to be on the red carpet. We get a, a chance to talk to Alex Petrangelo. We, we get a chance to hear from Paul Cotter. Great conversation with Dave Gosher. Um, when you look back on this one, what are you going to remember? I'm going to remember the base of the speaker. I'm going to remember the kid who was wearing a University of Minnesota hat with a stone is. jersey. Got to get that thrown out in there. And I'm just going to really remember how many people were lined up ready to go when we walked here. Oh, about yeah. About an hour yeah, ahead. Absolutely. And, I, and I'm sure there was people here earlier than that. But as we were talking to Dave and as we kind of alluded to with, with Alex and Paul, I've never seen or experienced a fan base quite like this. And so this is my first chance to see them out in the wild, outside of the, <laughs> the arena, outside of our own little process and, and routines there. And uh, it is not only alive and strong, but uh, a, a completely different level, I think, just based off of where this team and the direction they're headed is. All right, let's do predictions here at the oh, end. Oh, boy. Are the Golden Knights a playoff team? Yes. Yes. 100% they will make, yes. They will make the playoffs. Who do they match up against in the first round? Ooh, well, that depends on the wild card teams and stuff, but I think that they're going to win the division, and so it's probably going to be a Minnesota Wild matchup, which I would love. You would love Could that. Could you imagine? Oh, my goodness. Flurry versus the Knights going back and forth, that Game 7 win where he had the, the Yanmark hat trick and the return of Max Patrick. I want a Minnesota-Vegas playoff series. They're a hell of a rivalry. Okay. All right, you talked me into it. Yes! I'm, I'm not even going to I'm not gonna argue. I have I'm going that effect on people. All in. Hey, Lindsay. This has been a blast. Thanks so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, for Lindsey Brown, I'm Ryan Wallace. That's going to do it for us here from the Main Street stage on the Fremont Street Experience. It's been a blast talking to you through this FanFest experience. Thanks to Angel Castro. Thanks to Danny Smythe. We will chat with you. I'll chat with you tomorrow on the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas.